Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Back to it, Ken and Curtis on WEEI. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett in for the guys. Thanks to Tyler Devitt for hanging out for a couple of hours. We'll be with you up until 1 o'clock, and then I believe Fitzy and Hart will take over. See how Fitzy's feeling about the Patriots today. Been very negative on that podcast. A lot of negativity coming from Fitzy, so we'll see if he's positive today after I know he's been down at training camp a couple of times. So if you do want to weigh in on the trading deadline, you certainly can. It's 617-779-7937. And the debacle that is the Red Sox right now, that's on the table. But I did want to pivot to the Patriots for a second. So I saw this from Andrew Callahan. On seven-on-seven drills today, Ramondre Stevenson is leading the group, and he's out there on third down, which that makes me feel really good about where this Patriots team is at from at least an offensive personnel perspective in this sense. And a game planning perspective, for lack of a better term. I know they're not planning for games, but as they're installing things right now and getting ready for the season. So one of the things that irked me last year about the Patriots is why do you need Brandon Bolden to play on third down? Now, I'm guessing part of the calculus is you look at it from the perspective of a young running back at Ramondre Stevenson who you're worried about pass protection, right? That's my logical conclusion is that's what they were worried about more so than they actually thought Bolden was going to be a more explosive receiving back on third down. So my thought process there is, okay, the reason they do that is because of the pass protection. But I look at it last year. Do you know how many times Ramondre Stevenson was targeted? Nick, any idea? I'm going to go with 15. Good guess, man. Very good guess. 18. So he was targeted 18 times the entire season. By the way, Damian Harris, who does not have great hands, was only targeted 21 times. What doesn't make sense to me is Ramondre Stevenson has soft hands. He has really good hands. He did it at the collegiate level. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. So when I look at Stevenson, I feel like, okay, well, in the Tom Brady era with the Tom Brady offense, that third down back was so important to Tom Brady. That's why I always felt like last year, everybody kept pointing to the James White injury and all that, and he would have definitely been an upgrade, we all know, over Brandon Bolden. But I feel like it's time to sort of evolve from that type of player. We did this for two decades with Brady because Brady was great at it, right? When you watch Brady, he was unbelievable with the, with the whether it be Shane Vereen, whether it be Danny Woodhead, going all the way back to the Kevin Fox of the world, and of course, James White, in my opinion, was the best out of that group. I don't know why I have to say in my opinion. He was the best out of that group. He could have been the Super Bowl MVP easily, right? But it made sense because Brady, even when everybody knew it was a passing down, he could beat you, right? And you always had these running backs that you play in the first couple of downs, unless you're, if Brady's in the gun, 
then, okay, yeah, you're going to have James White in the field. But ordinarily, right, like in your normal personnel, you have these running backs that are out there like LeGarrette Blunt, guys that you know are not going to catch the football, and Brady can still operate that way. What I feel like with a young quarterback in Mac Jones that's still coming into his own in the NFL, I felt like having Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson out there on the field on first and second down, the reason that, okay, yeah, those guys are both good players, and I'll get into Stevenson in a second because I am on the bandwagon that says he's going to have a breakout season. But my point about that is just the fact that you were so damn predictable when those guys were on the field. I told you, 18 targets for Stevenson and 21 for Damian Harris. So basically, defense is new. Okay, if they're not running the ball, then those guys are not going to be involved in the passing game. So it made life easier for defenses. And when it's Brady, when it's the greatest quarterback ever, that's fine because he's still going to tear you up. And it's the offense that Brady's comfortable with. But when it's Mac Jones, a young rookie quarterback, I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to make it more difficult for the opposition. And part of that would be, hey, if I have a running back that can catch the ball, I'm going to use him. And I feel like this year you should be throwing it to Ramondre Stevenson more. So I love the fact that Callahan added that out there because I just look at some of the outlying numbers, or I should say the advanced numbers with Ramondre Stevenson, and they all point to a breakout season. So let's just start with this one. Yards after contact. You know where Ramondre Stevenson ranked in the NFL last year? Fourth. 2.7 yards after contact. Here were the running backs ahead of him. Rashad Penny, Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb are basically the two best running backs in the NFL in terms of just pure rushers. Ramondre Steven is fourth on that list. And by the way, like the Penny numbers, he only played in 10 games last year. Ramondre Stevenson played in 12. But you get the point. Just in terms of that number, yards after contact, it tells you how big of a beast this guy is. And this is the other thing that stuck out to me about this. Looking at these numbers from Ramondre Stevenson, he saw eight-man boxes 41.35% of the time. That was the second highest rate in the entire NFL. So only one player in the entire sport saw more eight-man boxes than Ramondre Stevenson. Like I said, that's what kills me about the Patriots' offense last year. Stop being predictable. Why are you so predictable? And even with that, they knew they weren't throwing a Stevenson. They knew they weren't throwing a Harris. But in particular, for the sake of this conversation, we're talking about Ramondre, Harris, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. With those eight-man boxes, second highest rate in the entire league, he had that. Fourth most yards per attempt after contact. How about this? He was 0.53 yards per rush over expectation ninth. That means like where the closest tacklers are, where the contact is made. They go through all this stuff. He was ninth. How about this one? 8.3 rush attempts per broken tackle. That was second in the entire NFL. So he's breaking tackles at an insane rate. And that goes to the yards after contact as well. That's that that we pointed out. And he was at 4.6 yards per attempt, which was 15th in the NFL. And considering he saw eight-man boxes 41.35% of the time, what that tells you is this guy has the ability to just completely take off and be a pretty dominant running back. And you look at the Damian Harris situation, considering he's in the final year of his contract with the team, based on the way that Belichick has always done business here, would it surprise you at all <laughs> if Ramondre Stevenson passes Damian Harris on the hierarchy, on the pecking order. I believed last year he was the more talented player. He just was not getting the same amount of opportunities that Damian Harris was. And like I said, this is not meant to be an indictment on Damian Harris. I believe Damian Harris is a pretty good running back. I'm not disputing that whatsoever. I just look at Ramondre Stevenson and I say, okay, this is a guy 
that has more skills in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield than Damian Harris. I'm not telling you Damian Harris is like Adrian Peterson in terms of his ability to catch the football. Like Adrian Peterson legitimately could not catch the ball. Great running back. Nobody's disputing that. One of the probably the best running back of his era. But my overwhelming point with that is just the fact that the guy had brick hands. I'm not saying Harris is that, but he doesn't have soft hands. He's not somebody that you're going to involve heavily in the passing game. And when I look at a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, it feels like you can certainly do that with him. Now, I'm not telling you they targeted him a ton at Oklahoma, but when they did, he proved that he could catch the ball. And I feel like last year when they threw him the football, he proved that he could catch it. But anything to just get that guy in open space and take advantage, you could make a real convincing argument that your most talented skill player in terms of the receivers, the tight ends, or the running backs, you could make an argument that the most talented guy out of that group is Ramondre Stevenson. So it would behoove whoever's calling the plays for the Patriots, and it appears it's Matt Patricia, to involve Ramondre Stevenson as much as you possibly can and make your offense less predictable than it was a season ago when the defense knows when that guy's on the field that you're running the football, or if you're not running the football when he's on the field, you're not throwing him the ball. So basically in a passing down or when you drop back to pass, Stevenson becomes a non-entity. And this year, I just like them to dig into that a little bit more, which hopefully by the fact that he was out there on third down today, that that's the priority. That's the plan. I believe this whole concept of having that traditional in the Patriots offense, because it's not traditional everywhere else. A lot of these running backs play three downs. Nick Chubb will do it. Christian McCaffrey went healthy. He'll do it. Elvin Kamara, he'll do it. I'm not saying you play every down. Obviously, you spell the guy, but... Ramondre Stevenson, you should try to make him into the more valuable back of the NFL, which is somebody that can do both things. And I feel like this guy's got all the ability in the world to be able to do both. It just felt like, the, and I understand it as a rookie, you're not going to dig into it as much. It's a different type of offense. And I do think part of the whole thing with the offense last year, it was tough to make it the Mac Jones offense. Now, I have criticized the Patriots offense up and down last year, and we can get into that in greater detail. But I will give them a pass in this sense. Not a pass, but a justification, if you will, for the reason they didn't go to more RPO, more play action, be more aggressive on second and medium. They did not throw the ball in second and medium at all last season. I believe part of that is the fact that, okay, well, think about this. Mac Jones is drafted 15th overall. The Patriots don't know that he's going to win the job. He still has to beat out Cam Newton, and Cam Newton was getting his second year in the system. So they don't know that he's going to go in there and just go out and completely be better than Cam Newton. Now, I'm guessing that was the hope, and that was the prediction, but they couldn't bank on that. So they're running their old system that they've been running for years, right? And then all of a sudden, Mac wins the job, but it's not like he won the job the first week of training camp. So after Mac wins the job, you can't just completely change the offense because you got to think about the rest of the team. That's why one of the things that I was really encouraged at hearing in the offseason was the fact that even Bill himself, acknowledge the fact that they changed up some of the language and the verbiage with the offense. And what that feels like to me is, okay, now we're all in. Now this thing is ready to go. This is Mac Jones's offense. This is Mac Jones's team. We are going to build an offense and an offense that is structured around Mac Jones. That's what we want to do. Do everything we possibly can to make life as easy as it possibly can be on the quarterback. Let's go back and let's see the things he's good at. And let's take advantage of that. That's what has me feeling optimistic about the offense. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until 1 o'clock. In for Ken and Curtis, and then we'll hand it over to Andy Hart and Fitzy. We got big day here in EEI. We got the Red Sox coming up this afternoon. That's a 4-10 start with Will and Joe. So 
If you want to win in the Patriots, what are your expectations for this offense? I believe that Mac Jones is going to take a big leap this season. I'll tell you why in just a little bit. And if you do want to wait on the Red Sox at the deadline, that's on the table as well. It's 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you here on EI. Why? Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Back to it, Ken and Curtis on WEEI. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett and the guys. We're taking you up until 1 o'clock. So if you want to win on the Red Sox, the trading deadline, that's on the table at 617-779-7937. Plus, the expectations for this Patriots offense. I believe they're going to be good offensively. So if you want to dispute that, you certainly can at 617-779-7937. 793.7. And by the way, you can tune into WEI this Red Sox season as we broadcast live from our Ford Clubhouse Fenway studio before Red Sox weekend home games. That's brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and Ford Trucks, official truck of the Red Sox. So I am interested in Devontae Parker because Nick and I were just talking about in the break. Apparently, this guy's been an absolute monster in the red zone situation, although I will go back to what I said earlier is... Who's he going up against? <laughs> the Patriots, they do not have great corners right now. We would all acknowledge that. Nobody could dispute the fact and say, yeah, I'm happy about the Patriots' corners. But if you look at Devontae Parker, so here's the interesting thing to me, and I'm sort of wondering how he fits with Mac. So if you look at Devontae Parker, each of the last two seasons, he averaged 1.7 yards of separation per route. Okay, so that's not good. It was last each of the past two seasons. So he does not get a lot of separation. Now, here's the thing. To attack of Aloha last year, he had a 19.3% aggressiveness rating. That was first in the NFL. And basically what that means is that the percentage of passes that are thrown into tight windows. So that means the closest defender is within one yard. 
So Tua actually did that more often than anybody else in the league. And the reason for that is he's throwing the ball so quickly. So that's going to be part of the game plan when it comes to that. You are going to have to throw in tight windows because you're dealing with the situation where he's barely throwing the ball down the field at all. But anyway, if you look at Parker's best season, 2019, he went for 75.1 yards per game, over 1,200 receiving yards, 16.7 yards per reception. That was eighth in the NFL. So here's the interesting thing to me about Parker. So that breakout season, who was his quarterback? Ryan Fitzpatrick. So when you look at that, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know he's one of the ultimate YOLO quarterbacks. He doesn't care. He's going to throw the ball into traffic. He's going to throw up jump balls. He's going to throw into contested areas. He doesn't care. It's one of the things you like about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He does not care. He's going to throw it up. So Fitzpatrick that year in 19, nine intended air yards per attempt. That was seven. So Parker's getting down the field. 20.9 aggressiveness rating. So even higher than two is last year, but that was fourth and 19, but still higher. And if you look at Parker, average depth of target was 14 yards. So remember this, fourth and aggressiveness rating at 20.9%. Almost 21% of the passes that Fitzpatrick threw that year were tight windows. Devontae Parker, past two seasons, lowest in the entire NFL in separation per route. So that's why Fitzpatrick works for him because he's throwing the ball up into tight windows. He's going to take chances. You look at Mack in 2021, he ranked 21st in aggressiveness rating, 15.4%. So that's a massive gap, 21% in terms of Fitzpatrick when Parker had his best season compared to 15.4% with Mac Jones last year. So this is sort of the interesting thing to me with Mac. Now, maybe Mac feels freer because on paper, this does not look like a good marriage because Mac is not the type of player that's going to throw into tight windows. He's going to throw into contested catches. He ordinarily doesn't do stuff like that. But will the addition of Parker, and this is where it could work in a weird way, it could make Mac a more aggressive quarterback if you have a guy like Parker that you know is a guy that can go up and win a jump ball. Would you be more likely to start throwing to that type of player, especially if all the reports we're hearing, and like we said, it depends on how much you draw from training camp, but if that's true, that Devontae Parker has been a beast in the red zone, will that actually open things up for Mac? So by getting a player that is different from the receivers that would make sense with Mac, getting a different type of player, does that actually open up Mac Jones even more? Make him even make him an aggressive quarterback, and expand his game even more. That's my hope with Parker. Because on paper, it says this is not a good match. This is not a good marriage. But if you kind of think about what the plan could be with Parker, maybe this is part of what the Patriots factored in. Hey, we get a guy that we know is a beast on the outside in terms of going up and getting the football. We know he can be a beast for us in the red zone going up and getting the football. If we get that type of player with Mac Jones who doesn't like to take a lot of chances, that doesn't like to throw the ball into traffic, well, will we actually open up something with Mac Jones himself? Will Mac start to become a more aggressive quarterback? That's my hope. Because what the numbers would tell you is this match sucks. It's not going to work. But my hope is that by bringing in that type of player, you're actually going to open up another element of Mac Jones's game. 617779. 7937 the number. Let's get to Jonathan. He is in Brookline. Jonathan, what's up, man? Hi, Brian. I love the show. So I quickly want to weigh in on the Red Sox. I think this is quite indicative of how the team is playing. Do you remember the days where we used to complain about Trevor's story? And now <laughs> yeah. and now we look we look back on that and that is the least of our problems. 
So yep. especially like last night, like you can be upset about all the missed chances and all the runners on that we didn't capitalize on. But that's a triple-A lineup you're looking on. Yomer Sanchez is yep. not a professional hitter. Franchi Cordero, I know he played semi-good last night. All these guys aren't professional hitters. So if you can kind of tread water, stay 500. And I, I really liked what I saw from Brian Bayo yesterday. He, I like watching him pitch because he gets so many ground balls. He can yep. turn double plays and jams. So if you kind of tread water until you get Devers and Story back, and then I think you can really make a push if you add, like, one arm. Yeah, so you want to buy. What about J.D. then, Jonathan? Would you give up J.D.? I don't see, like, the value, like you said, in getting up J.D. He swings and misses at 41% of breaking balls. <laughs> at this point in the season, he's really not a competitive hitter. He can't catch up the heat. Like, it's just what are you getting for him? So, like, yeah, he's in a bad spot. It's not one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's not one of those things where it's like, I hate JD. Trade him. Like he's done like a ton for this organization over the past four years. It's just right now you're getting no value for trading him. Yeah, I see your point, Jonathan. I appreciate the call. The one thing that I will say is, it feels like that market for JD is actually there. The Mets are interested. The Dodgers are interested. So you may actually be able to get something decent in return as it pertains to a minor league prospect. And if JD's not going to be here long term, and based on what we've seen since the start of June, where the guy's hitting a buck or 236 rather, makes no sense to keep him around. His OPS is under 700 since the start of June. So if you can actually get somebody good in the Mets system or the Dodgers system, I'd do it because the Red Sox are not signing him long term. Uh, to his point about Bayo, completely with him. That was by far the best Bayo's looked. The horizontal break on his sinker is filthy. The only guys in terms of qualified starters that get more break on their horizontal break rather on their sinkers are Jordan Montgomery and Sandy Alcantara, who's arguably the best pitcher in the sport right now. <laughs> the guy's freaking nasty. Started the All-Star game. Or no, he came in second because Kershaw got the start because of uh, it was in L.A. And then last night, to Jonathan's point about the ground balls, he profiled that way at the minor league level. 61% ground ball rate, which is through the roof. And last night, you know what his ground ball rate was? He got 12 of them. Nick, you know what it was? He got 12 ground balls. You know what his ground ball rate was? 60%. 91%. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, 91. I mean, it's stupid. And this is in a major league game against a good team. And how many the, of them were into the shift? That's a good point. I mean, that's where all the hits were. It's all weak contact. I mean, think about that, though. That's insane. The launch angle last night on the swings against Bayo, minus 13.4 degrees. Framber Valdez leads qualified starters at negative 3.5 degrees. So he was 10 degrees better than the best guy in the sport. I mean, that sinker is filthy. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Mike. Mike is in Maine. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. <laughs> I think Mike. I think we lost Mike. All right, you can grab Mike's line if you want. It's 617 617- Seven seven nine seven ninety three seven. Uh, the Bayo thing is definitely interesting. He was. It's an intriguing thing. Now I understand that he wouldn't be up here right now if it weren't for all the injuries. But I like that we actually got the opportunity to see the guy pitch. He was not good in his first couple outings. We could all acknowledge that. But you could see that the stuff was there with him. The one thing about Bayo long term, he's just got to clean up some of the command. It's one of these things where the walks always seem to come back to hurt this Red Sox team, and they've been doing it over the past couple of weeks as well. Like, I mean, I look at the Sawamura issue there in the seventh inning, or the eighth inning, rather, when he came into the game, 
he walks the seven hitter, right? So, like, with Salamora last night, if you look at what happened, first of all, I mean, if that guy's going to pitch, first of all, he sucks. So I don't like when he pitches to begin with. But secondarily, if you're going to suck, can you just do it at a faster pace? It's excruciating watching this guy pitch because you know it's not going to be good, and it's so painful because it takes him forever to throw the damn ball. I don't know what he's doing in between pitches. Every ball he gets, he's got to play around with it. Oh, that did not sound good. But you get my point. <laughs> what is he doing out there? Takes forever to throw a damn ball. And then last night, the thing that stuck out to me is, okay, yeah, he got some bad luck when Wong was, when Wong doubled weekly, and it was basically, it was a Fenway fly ball, right? So that ball that Wong hit off the monster had a 0.80 expected batting average. So not good. I mean, he didn't do anything with it. But here's the problem. After he got Urias to fly out, Salomar walked uh, Caratini, the seventh hitter. The guy's hitting 234. You cannot walk a seven hitter that's hitting 234. Because what happens, okay, so then you get a little bit of bad luck with Wong. And then you get the sack fly from Taylor that makes it a 3-1 to game. So instead of keeping it a one-to-run game and then eventually give it up to be a 4-1 game. But my point about that is, if you don't walk seven hitters or eight hitters, like the Red Sox have a propensity to walk guys that are lower in the lineup. I don't know why they do this. They love to do it. They love walking seven through nine hitters. It's one of their favorite things to do in the world. But my point about that is you create your own luck. Yeah, that's bad luck that a guy doubles off the wall and the expected batting average is 0.80. But the reason you give up the run is because you're not throwing strikes to a seven hitter. That crap's unacceptable. That crap cannot happen. And that's why we've seen too much of this from Salamore this year. Done watching this guy pitch. And one of the real conclusions I came to watching this team last night is just when you think about it. You got a good pitching performance from Brian Bale. You got a good pitching... Pro- you got a pretty good pitching performance from Austin Davis as well. Davis has Davis is like the best opener. <laughs> the guy's an incredible opener. He doesn't give up runs when he opens games. He usually goes two innings. He doesn't give up runs. So you got a good pitching performance, but then you didn't hit. Now, last night, I get it. It's difficult with Brandon Woodruff on the mound and all that, but the Red Sox had plenty of opportunities in that game. That's what irritates me about this is they had opportunities. So when they pitch well, they don't hit. When they hit, they don't pitch well. When their starting pitcher pitches well, their bullpen sucks. When their starting pitchers pitch well, they don't hit. Like, this all hat, like, they can never be good at all things at the same time. Or if they get a good starting pitching performance and they actually hit, then what happens? Their freaking bullpen gives it up. That's the problem. Everything is going wrong with this team right now. In fact, if you look at by the numbers, it is horrific in terms of what this team has been doing in terms of since. Basically, I'll go back to June 27th to give you these numbers because that's when the Red Sox went to Toronto. Tanner Houck couldn't play. The Red Sox, since they went to Toronto, they are 8-20. I mean, think about that. They're winning 28.6% of their games. It's horrific. They've been outscored 188-106 to during that stretch. Do the math on that. That's a minus 82 run differential. And this is my whole point. This is what I'm outlining to you right here is they're not hitting. Their starters suck. And their bullpen sucks. So here are the numbers. Offensively, since that Toronto series, 235 average, that's 23rd. 287 on base percentage, that's 26th. 672 OPS, that's 24th. Their strikeout rate is 26.2%. That is 26th. 
So their offense sucks in every statistical category. Okay, how about with runners in scoring position? 209 plate appearances during this stretch. That's the 19th most, so a little below average. But they only have 61 RBIs, 26th. 61 RBIs. And their strikeout rate is 25.4%. That is 26 during that stretch. So you're not hitting at all. And when you actually have the opportunities with runners in scoring position, you're not doing that. And that takes me back to last night's game. What did the Red Sox do last night with runners in scoring position? One for six. And this has been a theme for this team all season long. They cannot hit with runners in scoring position, especially J.D. Martinez. J.D. has been absolutely atrocious when it comes to that. And I go to the bottom of the seventh inning. Speaking of not hitting with runners in scoring position. So after Jack, after J.D. rather had grounded out, Franchi doubles. Congratulations to Franchi. Keep the ball. Dahlback walks. Then Jackie swings at ball four. So it should have been bases loaded with one out. That ball was nowhere close to the strike zone. uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. swings at it, and then on the very next pitch, he strikes out. That was the opportunity right then and there to load up the bases, try to do some damage, but Jackie swings at a pitch out of the zone. And I get it. Jackie is not a good hitter. He's a defensive player. But for a guy that can't hit, he swings at way too many pitches out of the zone. Like the fact that he can't hit pitches in the zone, the fact that he can make contact with nasty pitches out of the zone, I, I don't know what the calculus is there. It makes no sense to me. But anyway, next batter, Sanchez lines up. Okay. So then we go to the bottom of the eighth inning. Duran singles on a changeup. Vasquez grounds out. And this is where I don't know why Duran didn't run there. If anybody has a reason for why Duran did not run when Devin Williams is on the mound, all he throws is changeups. 54% of the time, changeups. All that guy does is throw changeups. You don't run? You're supposed to be one of the fastest guys in the sport. Run! He's been doing a lot of Swipe standing around lately. I, I, I don't the know. Grand slam, oh, not stealing. Oh, my God. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Steal second. You're suppo- the guy's throwing change-ups. He threw four change-ups to Vasquez, 84 miles an hour. It's a nasty pitch. It's going to be difficult to hit the guy. So why don't you steal? He doesn't take off. So then, okay, Vasquez grounds out. Duran doesn't run. Verdugo is swinging bunt. So it's like, all right, you're sort of kind of in business here because now you got first and second with one out. And the big guns are coming up. Bogarts and J.D., especially J.D. Martinez. We'll get to him in a second here. J.D.'s, I mean, I feel bad for J.D. He absolutely sucks right now. He's one of the great hitters over the past five years or so. This guy blows right now. But anyway, Bogarts just get beat, got beat by Devin Williams. I, that guy's a, he's a nasty pitcher. I mean, that changeup is filthy. He got beat. I mean, there's no harm in that. He swung at two changeups that he missed on. He got beat. And then J.D. grounds out. But this is now J.D.'s problem. How about these numbers? Listen to these numbers on J.D. Martinez. Runners in scoring position since the start of June. Minimum 50 plate appearances, okay? There are 58 players since the start of June that have had 50 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Here is where J.D. ranks RBIs, 11. He has 11 RBIs. That's 57th of 58. <laughs> I mean, like, that seems made up. His OPS, 665, that's 47th. His strikeout rate is 25.9%. That's 49th of 58 qualifiers. That's 49th in baseball. So that comes back to the offensive portion of the equation where you're in a situation where you can't hit in clutch situations. With all these guys out, you had an opportunity last night. After Brandon Woodruff is out of the game, you have an opportunity. You can't come through. Your big guns, Bogarts got beat. It happens. You got to come through. One of the two guys there has to come through. So that's an issue. Then we look at the starting pitchers. How about this? So since 
June 27th, the last 28 games. How about this? The Red Sox starters, and I get it. Pitching wins aren't the biggest thing in the world. I acknowledge that. The Red Sox starters in the past 28 games, they're 0 for 13. They're 0 and 13. They haven't won a single decision. And Crawford should have won a couple. I will acknowledge that. <laughs> they have not won a single game. Let's get to Scott. He's in New Hampshire. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Um, What's I up, Scotty? I talk about the fact that... How you doing? Um, good. I got some concerns about the Red Sox and how they handle their players. Um, okay. You know, they're not signing Devers. They're not signing Bogarts. And we're all kind of hanging our hat on the farm system. Well, if the farm system is that good, but they don't intend to keep them, I, I, I don't know what we're looking forward to here. I mean, eventually they're mean... going to have to be paid... Scott, by us, do you mean them? Because okay. I'm not looking forward to the farm system. I wanted them to add more in the offseason. But you mean the Red Sox are just looking towards the farm system. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. kind of what the story they're telling us. If they're mm-hmm. looking to build up their farm system, but they have no intention of keeping them as soon as they kind of look at to make some money, there's not a lot to look forward to here. Oh, so your point is basically like, okay, let's say hypothetically Marcelo Mayer, Tristan Cassis, and Nick York, they look at the Bogart situation, or they look in particular now at the Devers situation and say, that's not great. I mean, he's one of the best players in the sport. They're not paying him. Like, you think that will be sort of like an attitude within the organization? Well, it, it, even more than that, it's, it's more realistic than, you know, theological. When they get there, when they want to get paid because they're good players, are the Red Sox going to pay them? Are these great farm system players going to just walk away? Yeah, um, and no, you know, it, you know what, Scott? It's it's not a bad. It's a good point because it feels like you got to pay Devers to prove that, right? Because I mean, this is if you don't pay Devers, my whole idea, Scott, is what the hell is the point of having a team? Like, why would you not pay? What is the point of running a team too if you're Hein Bloom? If you don't pay guys like that, one of the handful of best players in the sport. I mean, to be conservative, a top ten player in the game, definitely a top five hitter in the game right now. How do you not pay that guy? Well, this is an elite ball player. This is what you strive to develop. Now we right. have him. He's homegrown, and you're going to let him walk away. What's the purpose? And the other yeah, side of that is, you know, John Henry, John Henry owes the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've signed all their big players this year. So if they're, they're spending money just not in Boston. The Penguins re-signed all their guys is your point? They absolutely did. They're spending Yeah, I mean, look, Scott, they still Scott, they still spent money this year. Like, they went out and they got Trevor Story. So this year's ball club is expensive, but all that money comes off the books next year. So I feel like, Scott, hold on. I feel like your point about the ownership group, I think it'll be more valid if we go into next offseason and we don't see an extension for Devers and we don't see them pay some big players because of the fact that all that money's coming off the books, right? JD's off the books. Price's contract is finally off the books. Evaldi's off the books. Technically, Bogarts is going to opt out of his contract. So if they don't pay guys this upcoming offseason or extend some of their own players, Bogarts, Devers, et cetera, then I think that argument certainly has credence. Well, I think that right now they're, they're close to a lost place team. You'd think they would be sellers. No, they are, Scott. They are. But they're literally in last. They're not close. They're last. He doesn't have a tr- he doesn't have a track record of being good with trades either. We look at Mookie Betts I agree. and 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 Renfro stuff. So we're kind of stuck. We don't have anything to hang our hat on here. I don't know what the team is doing. Yeah. Hey, Scott, appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open at 617-779-7937. All right. A lot more to get into. If you want to get into the Red Sox at the trading deadline, that's on the table. 
I believe the Patriots offense is going to be significantly better this year. I believe Mac's going to take a big jump. I gave you some of that information. I got more, though, on why I think that's going to happen. We'll get into that and the Sox coming up next here on EI. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. This is Ken and Curtis on WEEI. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett in for Ken and Curtis. We're taking you up until 1 o'clock. A lot on the table. And today we are coming to you from Fenway Park, which... It's been a site of a lot of losses lately. The Red Sox are actually below 500 at Fenway Park this season. They are below 500 on the season. But how about this? You can tune into WEI this Red Sox season as we broadcast live from our Ford Clubhouse Fenway studio before Red Sox home weekend games. It's brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and Ford Trucks, official truck of the Red Sox. It's a cool spot here. We're getting ready for the game this afternoon. I say getting ready for the game. I just get anxious watching the Red Sox now. It's just, that's where we're at. You just get anxious watching this team play because when you feel like, all right, they got a lead, it's never safe. And you feel like they're never going to hit based on all the injuries that have happened, based on the fact that J.D. Martinez has fallen off a cliff. And you feel like, okay, if you do get a lead, the bullpen's got to give it up. So back to the thing on the Red Sox starters. So since that Blue Jays series, now look, this has all happened at the wrong time for the Red Sox. Now, Bayo was good last night, but that was his first good outing. Think about all the things that sort of have happened since the Red Sox went to Toronto. Chris Sale came back, and then he mangled his finger. Nathan Avaldi had been on the injured list. He's come back from the injured list. Nathan Avaldi, two miles per hour down in his fastball since coming back. He's been bad. Okay, then you look at Michael Waka, has not pitched. He's dealing with a dead arm. Rich Hill, dealing with an MCL injury. Now, good thing is he pitched in Portland, and he's on the mend. He's on his way back, so that's a good thing. Okay, but all those things have happened. And then your rookies have come up. Connor Seabold came up, was horrible, was afraid to pitch, had no conviction. He's not with the team right now because he's injured. Okay. Then you look at a guy like Josh Winkowski. Winkowski has completely fallen off a cliff. 
The guy makes the idiotic comment about the Yankees lineup where he's like, ah, it just looks like another mediocre lineup to me. It's like, okay, then maybe pitch better against him before you make a comment like that. And ever since that point, Josh Winkowski has gotten completely roughed up. The guy's swinging strike rate is at 3% in his last four outings. 3% of the time he gets a swinging strike. That is absolutely atrocious. Adam Wainwright is last in the sport at 6.5%. Okay, so he has been absolutely horrible. Winkowski has. He's getting beat up left and right. He's given up loud contact. He's been bad. Brian Bayo up until last night, and I, I don't play. This is not supposed to be an indictment on Bayo. He was not supposed to be up yet. He's the number one pitching prospect in the organization. You can tell the guy's incredibly talented, but he just wasn't ready for the big leagues. And naturally, he wasn't supposed to be up, but he hadn't been giving you good performances. The only guy out of the young group was Cutter Crawford. And during this stretch, Nick Pavetta fell off a cliff. Remember, he absolutely sucked prior to the All-Star break. And last game, great. He was better. I'm not buying into that outing. He gave up a ton of loud contact. Got a little bit lucky when it comes to that. So Pavetta sucked. So all those things came together at the same time. And the Patriots, uh, the Patriots, the Red Sox rotation completely fell off a cliff. Well, that's pretty good. I used Patriots and cliff in the same sentence. Anyway, so Red Sox starters since that Blue Jays series. We mentioned the record of 0-13. 728 ERA. You want to know where that ranks in Major League Baseball? 30th. 171 whip. You want to know where that ranks? 30th. 309 opponents batting average. You know where that ranks? 30th. 17.6% strikeout rate. This <laughs> Winkowski's got a lar large portion of this. That's 27th. 27th in strikeout rate. Their walk rate is 8.8%, which is 26. So, I mean, how, how bad of a combination is that? You don't strike guys out and you walk guys left and right. It's embarrassing. 43.8% hard hit rate. That's balls off the bat, 95 plus miles per hour. That's 28th. 28th in hard hit rate, 26th in walk rate, 27th in strikeout rate, 30th in win probability added, 30th in opponent's batting average, 30th in, in whip, 30th in ERA. <laughs> I mean, how do you expect to win with that starting group right now? And then you look at the bullpen. It's been not as bad, but pretty damn close. 19 meltdowns, that's 28th. During the stretch, they have eight blown saves, 30th, the most in baseball. They have a 536 ERA, 28th. They have a 154 whip, that's 27th. A 258 opponent's batting average, that's 24th. And 11.5% strikeout rate, that's 29th. So, I mean, I'm trying, I don't mean to laugh, but this is why you're 8 and 20 in your last 28 games. Your bullpen has been horrendous. Your starters have been historically bad, and your offense isn't hitting. So you've been outscored by 82 runs. You have been outscored by 82 runs in your last 28 games, 188 to 106. I mean, you cannot make this up. Everything happened at the same time. And now this offense that absolutely blows right now, you have no Devers still. You're still waiting on him coming back from the hamstring situation. It'll be great to come back and get him back here, but the team is 50 and 51 right now. 50 and 51. The Boston Red Sox are behind the Baltimore Orioles in the American League East. This whole idea that was supposed to be, hey, we don't want to go from first to last all the time. Hey, we want to be a sustainable winner. Well, how that's, how's that working out for Heim Bloom and company? Sustainable winner, my ass. You were second last year in the American League East. You were two wins away from going to the World Series. And now you're behind the Orioles. The Orioles are tanking, and they're still winning. They weren't trying to win this season. They still may trade 
Trey Mancini at the deadline. The Orioles have not been trying, like their front office, the players are, I'm not saying that, the players are trying to win. The front office of the Orioles was not trying to win this year. They weren't. And a team that wasn't trying to win in terms of a front office perspective, in terms of an organizational perspective, they weren't trying to win this year. This was not in their plans. And they are better than the Red Sox. A team that is not trying to win is better than you. I don't know how Heimblum cannot be embarrassed by the team he's putting on the baseball field right now. And look, some of the injuries, I'm not even saying that. But the first base situation is on him. How can Heimblum not be embarrassed watching what transpired on Wednesday night? you got a guy out there in Franchi who made three errors in one game. He made two on one play. He has eight errors on the season. Only one first baseman has more errors than him. Josh Bell with nine. And Josh Bell's played like 600 more innings than Franchi. I mean, come on. How is Heimblum not embarrassed with the product he's putting on the field right now? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until 1 o'clock. So, if you want to weigh in the Red Sox, the trading deadline, the debacle that has been really the past 28 games, that's on the table. Will they actually move on from J.D. Martinez? That's on the table. And with the Patriots, do you feel like this offense is going to be good this season? I do. I'm very high on it. I'll tell you why next year on EI. Why? Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.